Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 32 this morning. They, the disciples, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. That astonishment, that fear is based on the threats against Jesus' life as they were approaching Jerusalem. That was increasing and they knew um, that this was not going to be an easy time in Jerusalem. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I've used this word a lot in reading through the Gospel of Mark. Wow. We just read a lot. Not not number of verses, although there are plenty, but we just read a lot here. Jesus explaining again to the disciples, and I say again because we've seen it in this gospel, and you look at the other gospels, numerous times he, he let them know what was going to happen to him. No secret. Shouldn't be any surprises here. He's going to Jerusalem, and bad things are going to happen to him. The Pharisees, the the the, the teachers of the law, the Sanhedrin, the, the, the leaders of, of all the Jews, they're first of all going to arrest him 
and condemn him to death. Then they're going to hand him over to the Gentiles, the Romans, and then the disgrace that he, that he, that he bore, the disrespect that he, had to, that he had to go through. Remember, the creator, the one that we were just talking about earlier who, has, who, who never exhausts reasons for us to praise him. This is the one that's being spit on, that's being mocked, and he, and he doesn't, you know, the, the most power, physical power that he exerted during that whole experience is, is captured in John 19, where when he was betrayed and arrested, remember he says he's going to be betrayed, one of his own men betrays him, but on that night when Judas betrayed him and, and brought the soldiers to him, you remember what happened when he told them who he was? He said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And remember he said, I am he, reminding us back to the, the, the bush that was burning that wouldn't be consumed. Remember that Moses faced and, and Moses said, who am I supposed to tell him something? He said, I am that I am. Well, Jesus identifying with God in that way says, I am he. Do you remember what happened to the soldiers? These tough Fully equipped soldiers, you remember what happened to them? They fell to their backs on the ground. This is the only glimpse that Jesus gives of his abilities, of his powers in that whole scenario. He could have done stuff like that the whole way through. If any of us, being us, not being him, but any of us, were in those circumstances and had the power that he had, he wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have gone to the cross for us. But he did. And so he's letting his disciples know, this is what's going to happen. And immediately, this didn't just come up. These discussions have happened before. But immediately after he tells them these things, James and John jump right into, okay, well, he's come, he's, he's, we're going to Jerusalem and he's going to establish his kingdom, so we need to get our places in, you know, intact here. We need, we need to make sure that we're covered, that he knows that we probably ought to be the ones you know, that have the best seats in, in the kingdom. Because they were, they, were, they were sure, even though Jesus kept talking about his death and resurrection, they were sure this is when he was going to usher in the kingdom, he being the king, and he's going to need his right and his left, and so why not us? The other gospels also mention that their mother was involved in this discussion as well. Because um, she was concerned about these important factors as well. And, and remember, as, as Jesus responds to them, not one time in this, in this discussion does he say, you guys shouldn't want these spots. Did you notice that? He didn't say that. He just said that those spots are already prepared for someone, and it hadn't been given to him yet who those, who those spots were going to. Jesus, the Son of God, all, always God, but also coming to live as a man in this world, he wasn't 
he wasn't doing everything that he could do as God, as he exhibited there in John 19, when he flattened the soldiers and then let them back up. So in this case, he's saying, hey, there, those places are going to be given to someone, but not necessarily you two guys. He didn't say it wasn't going to be them, but he then fills them in and us in on what it takes to be great from his perspective, for his kingdom. So here, this would have been an excellent opportunity. If the, if the literal kingdom, the, the literal millennium kingdom that the word of God talks about wasn't going to happen literally, this would have been a great opportunity to say, you guys are, are so mixed up that that's not even how this kingdom is going to be. He didn't say that. He indicated that there were going to be a right and a left for him, of him in the kingdom. And he says, and here is how you achieve greatness in preparation for that kingdom. And it was completely different than anything that they'd ever heard before. Well, not completely different than anything they'd ever heard before, because I think we heard that in Psalm 18 this, this morning, didn't we? And these guys were familiar with Psalm 18. Humility is rewarded by God. He loves when his people are humble, when his people recognize that they are not God, the world does not revolve around them, and that they use their lives, these gifts that God has given them, to serve God's people. This wasn't a new message. We could see it right there in Psalm 18 as Mark was reading it this morning. But here he lays it out very, very clearly. And lets us know what our priorities should be as his people as we get ready for eternity. Not only the millennial kingdom for which these guys were really looking forward to, that thousand year reign of Jesus on the earth out of Jerusalem, which is still coming, but also for eternity. He tells us here that he wants his people, his children, the people who have received him, We sang earlier, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. His own dear presence to cheer and to guide. That's a description of people who have put their trust in Jesus. They've been pardoned from their sins. And those who have been pardoned of their sins, who have been given this special peace, this peace that passes all understanding according to Philippians Chapter 4, these who have, who have been indwelled by his Holy Spirit, who lives in us to cheer us and to guide us through our lives, this is a great description of us, he gives us this insight into what our lives' priorities should look like. In a world and in, in society and culture that that tells us over and over and over again, take care of yourself, nobody else is going to, look out for number one. He says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, be the servant of all. Of course, we were talking about that earlier with the children. 
just looking, just looking around here, we see this being lived out. We see people who are concerned not just for their own interests, as Jesus, as, as the Apostle Paul put it in Philippians chapter 2, not, not just being concerned about our own interests, but also being concerned about the welfare of others. We see that happening right now. If we, if we got really quiet and listened, we might hear some crying coming from, that, from this side of the, of, the, of the building. Because on the other side of that wall and a couple of other walls, there are, are smaller children who are, some of them enjoying themselves immensely and others of, of them, you know, wanting this time to be over quickly. But there are people working with those kids, doing, doing things uh, for them that some of them said they would never do, you know, from anybody other than their own children, but they're doing it. Serving not only those children, but also those children's parents, and also the fellow worshipers of their parents. On this side, the kids who are up here and, and others are, ga- are gathered together in kids' way, and people are in there serving them. When you came in this morning, there were people, there were people you know, stationed up by the front and back doors saying, hey, glad you're here this morning. And, and they're not paid. They weren't paid to say that. But they were assigned because we want you to know how glad we are that you're here this morning. And so people are willing to give their time to come in and, and make sure that that happens. And on and on and go. And I'm sorry I didn't, you know, there's no way to, to, to mention all the different types of service that go on in even a church, a small church like Midway Community Church. It's full of servants. The reason being Jesus outlined it like that for us. That's what his church, that's what his body is like. All of us, whatever our, whatever our role might be, whatever our talent might be, when we speak of talent, immediately we think of the, the folks that come up here and you know, let us in, in, in these songs this morning, the talent they, that they have. We think of talent, we think of what the, the folks back in the sound booth are doing. You know, those of us that don't know that stuff, we could go back there and flip a few switches and mess everything up in five seconds. But because of their talent, their training, their work, they're able to, they're able to do it without any attention. Servants all around. And not just on Sundays, not just on Sunday mornings. But all through the week, people serving each other in various ways. Why do we do that? Because even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served. The one who deserves all praise and honor and glory and service, he didn't come into this world for people to do stuff for him. He came into this world to do something for people. And that's why he describes it in that, in that last verse of the section that we read. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's why that's up here, to remind us. That cross reminds us of the kind of service that Jesus rendered. 
He's the only one that could do that kind of service. Oh, the, the, the disciples, most of them, in fact, it may have been 10 of the 11 that, that were surviving after, after Judas committed suicide after his betrayal, probably 10 of the 11 surviving disciples ended up being killed for their faith in Christ, for their service of Christ, for the fact they wouldn't stop talking about Jesus and the resurrection. In some cases, they were just told, just, just quit talking about it and everything will be okay. No. They kept talking about it. They went to their death, but their death, even some of them on crosses, their death didn't do anything for us. Oh, it inspires us when we think about it, when we hear about people who have that kind of commitment. But it didn't do anything for us like Jesus' death on that cross. He was the one that was able to provide the ransom payment, so to speak. That image, that image of him taking upon himself the punishment that we deserved. He did that for us. He's the only one that could do that. The disciples' death, even though they were great guys and, and they were made apostles, his special sent you know, representatives, they couldn't do that for us. No, no great people today could do that for us. Only one person could do what this cross symbolizes. He's the only one. And so when we look at that cross, we think of the work that he did for us. But we should also think of the work that he did for us and the example that that sets for all of us. That's what he's doing in this particular passage today. In this particular teaching of his, of his disciples who are going to carry this message on. Remember, that's going to be their jobs. They're, they're slow to get this stuff as we, as, you know, as we look at it. I mean, they go directly from him t- telling them he's going to die on the cross and be totally disrespected and, and abused. They go to thinking, well, we still need to figure out who's going to be first and second here on, in the team, who has the best spot. So, so they're, very, they're very slow to learn. They're very slow to pick up like, like we are sometimes. But these are the guys that are going to take this message and are going to establish these churches, churches like ours, so that people will know how they can be saved and then once they're saved, how they can live for his glory. And this description talks about both. We can be saved because of Jesus' service. And once we're saved through his service, that cross cross also reminds us of how we're supposed to live. When when, When the Apostle Paul was describing to husbands what their lives are supposed to look like, he used the cross. As the, as the symbol, as the picture. He said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The cross, every time a husband sees the cross, we should think about how we're supposed to love our wives, how we're supposed to serve our wives, how we're supposed to give ourselves for our wives. That cross is a picture, is a symbol, is a reminder, not only what Jesus did for me, also of what I'm supposed to do for Sherry. And just saying that makes me thankful that I have at least some more time to do that better than I have done it. 
And I hope all of us husbands are just reminded of that right now. But the cross is a, is a reminder, husbands, of that job. But it's also a reminder to all of us, not just to husbands. It's a reminder to all of us that as Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many, that we're also supposed to live our lives in service of the rest of the body of Christ as an example of the humility that only Christ himself possesses. When we received the Lord Jesus Christ, he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. He not only forgave us of our sins when he came into us, he also gives us the strength and power and desire and will to live the kind of life that he wants us to live. And so the Holy Spirit himself gives us the ability to shift our priorities and to stop thinking only of ourselves and to start also thinking about the needs of other people. And that is supposed to be a picture of a body of Christ like Midway Community Church. People who don't just think about themselves, but also like Jesus did, think about others. That's another thing that we should remember when we look at the cross. Our lives are not only about us. They're about how God wants to use us in the lives of others. To serve others like he served us. Sometimes at the very cost of our lives. Some service is that expensive. Is that great? There there are pastors today as they're preaching their messages to their congregations, living in countries, doing this work in countries where they're not sure after the service is over whether or not there will be somebody waiting outside to take them off to jail or just to kill them because they won't shut up. And they've been warned, just like the apostles were warned over and over again as they kept on preaching. There, there, are, there are men doing that today who may lose their lives at the end of their service today. I'm thankful, I'm I'm serious, I'm thankful that that's not the case here. But I'm hopeful that even if that was the case here, that I'd still be here and that you would too. Oh, we might, here might be different, you know, might not be so public. We might be doing like some of them are today. We might be taking duct tape and, and and rags and and stuffing them in the the cracks of the doors and the windows so that nothing can be heard coming out of this room. People are doing that today. They're willing, just like Jesus was, they're willing to, to, to die in service of Jesus as he was willing to die in service of us. That's... That's how important this is. That's what a big deal this is. That's how life-changing this is supposed to be for us. We're really supposed to care about other people and do things that express that concern. And I've mentioned things that are just kind of like official jobs around the church, but most of the service is not noticed. Most of the service is not assigned. 
most of the service in a local church just comes by one person seeing a need and meeting that need. Seeing someone in need, hearing about somebody that's in need, and saying, Lord, what can I do to help? And sometimes it's just praying. And I, don't, and I, and I shouldn't use the word just praying. It's not just. That's the first most important, and if nothing else can be done, the thing to do. We serve each other when we pray for each other. That's why we do it so much. It's, it's our greatest service to one another is to lift each other up before the Lord because he's the one that can do what needs to be done. But then as we pray, he also then, from his word, lets us know some of the things that we might be able to do to help that person out. And so we do those things. Again, not, they're, they're not recorded. They're not mentioned. There's no recognition for it other than sometimes the people who receive the service might send you a note or tell you, hey, that, I, that, really, that really helped. I really appreciate that. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes their, their circumstances, you know, have, have them so deep in the hole, they, they don't even do that for a while. And you do it and you don't know if, 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 even, if, if, excuse me, if even they really noticed what you did. But you know who did notice? The one who's preparing the right seat and the left seat of the Lord Jesus in his kingdom. He noticed. James and John might be that might be those guys. They they may have lived the lives of service after this, you know, eye opener for them. Remember, this was an eye opener for them, not just because of what Jesus said, also because the other ten guys got so mad at them. You know, trying to trying to move in on on their territory. They had the same ideas. They just James and John just got the jump on them. This was eye-opening for these guys. This is a, a different way of looking at life than they were expecting. To be the servant, to be the slave of all. That's us, folks. That's us. And so our prayer today is first, have you allowed the servant of all servants to serve you in his eternal way through the provision that he made for you on the cross. He said, anyone who receives him receives life. Anyone who drinks him has their thirst quenched. If you received him, you're forgiven. You're saved. You're going to spend eternity with him. And so, first order of business, have you received him? If you haven't, take this message, take the message that Jesus was giving to his disciples to heart and remember that he gave his life as a ransom for you. Don't waste that in your own life. It's not going to be wasted even for those, for, for many who don't receive him because many do receive him. And the apostle John said to those who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Praise his name. So if you have received him this morning, praise him because he paid your ransom. He got you out of what you deserved. 
and gave you what you don't deserve. And then finally, let's pray that we'll do this. That we won't be hearers only, but that we'll be doers of his word and we'll look for ways that we can serve one another. Not for temporary recognition, but for the eternal rewards that Jesus gives to all of us who serve him. Let's live our lives for his glory, serving one another. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for the way in your word that you've described regular people like us, like James and John, who sometimes get our priorities mixed up We sometimes think more of ourselves than we should, and we forget that our Creator, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, wasn't looking to be served, but came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for people who needed him, us, sinners like us, like his disciples, like those living in his day, like those living in our day. And so we thank you this morning, Heavenly Father, for making that provision for us. And now we pray, those of us who believe that we would live lives of service, looking for ways that we can use what you've given us, whether it be financial resources or experiences or knowledge of your word, physical strength, whatever we have, that we would use it for you by serving others as Jesus did. And Father, we pray for those who haven't yet taken a taste of that living water. Jesus, the one who satisfies our eternal thirst. We pray that you'd give them the wisdom and the courage and the faith. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I need you to forgive me of my sins and I will live my life in service to you by serving others. Give them the courage and the faith to do that this morning, Father. Father, may we all honor you as we serve like Jesus did, giving ourselves for the lives of others. And we thank you for those who've given their lives for us, if not to death, just the way they've served us. We thank you for each. We thank you for everyone who's done that in our lives and ask you to help us to do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.